Chapter Six of Desperate Remedies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shi Pingming. Desperate Remedies by Thomas Hardy. Chapter Six. The Events of the Twelve Hours. One, August the ninth, one to two o'clock a.m. Cytheria entered her bedroom and flung herself on the bed, bewildered by a world of thought. Only one subject was clear in her mind, and it was that, in spite of family discoveries, that day was to be the first and last of her experience as a lady's maid. Starvation itself should not compel her to hold such a humiliating post for another instant. Ah, she thought, with a sigh at the martyrdom of a last little fragment of self-conceit. Oban knows everything better than I. She jumped up and began making ready for her departure in the morning, the tears streaming down when she grieved and wondered what practical matter on earth she could turn her hand to next. All these preparations completed, she began to undress, her mind unconsciously drifting away to the contemplation of her late surprises to look in the glass for an instant at the reflection of her own magnificent resources in face and bosom and to mark their attractiveness unadorned was perhaps but the natural action of a young woman who had so lately been chidden whilst passing through the harassing experience of decorating an older beauty of miss adcliffe's temper but she directly checked her weakness by sympathizing reflections on the hidden troubles which must have thronged the past years of the solitary lady to keep her though so rich and courted in a mood so repellent and gloomy as that in which cytheria found her and then the young girl marvelled again and again as she had marvelled before at the strange confluence of circumstances which had brought herself into contact with the one woman in the world whose history was so romantically intertwined with her own she almost began to wish she were not obliged to go away and leave the lonely being to loneliness still in bed and in the dark miss aldercliffe haunted her mind more persistently than ever instead of sleeping she called up staring visions of the possible past of this queenly lady her mother's rival up the long vista of bygone years she saw behind all the young girl's flirtation little or much with a cousin that seemed to have been nipped in the bud or to have terminated hastily in some way then the secret meetings between miss aldercliffe and the other woman at the little inn at hammersmith and other places the commonplace name she adopted her swoon at some painful news and very slight knowledge the elder female had of her partner in mystery then more than a year afterwards the acquaintanceship of her own father with this his first love the awakening of the passion his acts of devotion the unreasoning heat of his rapture her tacit acceptance of it and yet her uneasiness under the delight 
then his declaration amid the evergreens the utter change produced in her manner thereby seemingly the result of a rigid determination and a total concealment of her reason by herself and her parents whatever it was then the lady's course dropped into darkness and nothing more was visible till she was discovered here at knapwater nearly fifty years old still unmarried and still beautiful but lonely embittered and haughty cytheria imagined that her father's image was still warmly cherished in miss aldercliffe's heart and was thankful that she herself had not been betrayed into announcing that she knew many particulars of this page of her father's history and the chief one the lady's unaccountable renunciation of him it would have made her bearing towards the mistress of the mansion more awkward and would have been no benefit to either thus conjuring up the past and theorizing on the present she lay restless changing her posture from one side to the other and back again finally when courting sleep with all her art she heard a clock strike two a minute later and she fancied she could distinguish a soft rustle in the passage outside her room to bury her head in the sheets was her first impulse then to uncover it raise herself on her elbow and stretch her eyes wide open in the darkness her lips being parted with the intentness of her listening whatever the noise was it had ceased for the time it began again and came close to her door lightly touching the panels then there was another stillness cytheria made a movement which caused a faint rustling of the bed clothes before she had time to think another thought a light tap was given cytheria breathed the person outside was evidently bent upon finding her awake and the rustle she had made had encouraged the hope the maiden's physical condition shifted from one pole to its opposite the cold sweat of terror forsook her and modesty took the alarm she became hot and red the door was not locked a distinct woman's whisper came to her through the keyhole cytheria only one being in the house knew her christian name and that was miss aldercliffe cytheria stepped out of bed went to the door and whispered back yes let me come in darling the young woman paused in a conflict between judgment and emotion it was now mistress and maid no longer woman and woman only yes she must let her come in poor thing she got a light in an instant opened the door and raising her eyes and the candle saw miss aldercliffe standing outside in her dressing-gown now you see that it is really myself put out the light said the visitor i want to stay here with you sithy i came to ask you to come down into my bed but it is snugger here but remember that you are mistress in this room and that i have no business here and that you may send me away if you choose shall i go oh no you shan't indeed if you don't want to said cythy generously the instant they were in bed miss aldercliffe freed herself from the last remnant of restraint she flung her arms round the young girl and pressed her gently to her heart 
now kiss me she said cytheria upon the whole was rather discomposed at this change of treatment and discomposed or no her passions were not so impetuous as miss aldercliffe's she could not bring her soul to her lips for a moment try how she would come kiss me repeated miss aldercliffe cytheria gave her a very small one as soft in touch and in sound as the bursting of a bubble more earnestly than that come she gave another a little but not much more expressively i don't deserve a more feeling one i suppose said miss aldercliffe with an emphasis of sad bitterness in her tone i am an ill-tempered woman you think half out of my mind well perhaps i am but i have had grief more than you can think or dream of but i can't help loving you your name is the same as mine isn't it strange cytheria was inclined to say no but remained silent now don't you think i must love you continued the other yes said cytheria absently she was still thinking whether duty to owen and her father which asked for silence on her knowledge of her father's unfortunate love or duty to the woman embracing her which seemed to ask for confidence ought to predominate here was the solution she would wait till miss aldercliffe referred to her acquaintanceship and attachment to cytheria's father in past times then she would tell her all she knew that would be honour why can't you kiss me as i can kiss you why can't you she impressed upon cytheria's lips a warm motherly salute given as if in the outburst of strong feeling long checked and yearning for something to love and be loved by in return do you think badly of me for my behaviour this evening child i don't know why i am so foolish as to speak to you in this way i am a very fool i believe yes how old are you eighteen eighteen well why don't you ask me how old i am because i don't want to know never mind if you don't i am forty-six and it gives me greater pleasure to tell you this than it does to you to listen i have not told my age truly for the last twenty years till now why haven't you i have met deceit by deceit till i am weary of it weary weary and i long to be what i shall never be again artless and innocent like you but i suppose that you too will prove to be not worth a thought as every new friend does on more intimate knowledge come why don't you talk to me child have you said your prayers yes no i forgot them to-night i suppose you say them every night as a rule yes why do you do that because i have always done so and it would seem strange if i were not to do you i a wicked old sinner like me no i never do i have thought all such matters humbug for years thought so so long that i should be glad to think otherwise from very weariness and yet such is the code of the polite world that i subscribe regularly to missionary societies and others of the sort well say your prayers dear 
you won't omit them now you recollect it i should like to hear you very much will you it seems hardly it would seem so like old times to me when i was young and nearer far nearer heaven than i am now do sweet one cytheria was embarrassed and her embarrassment arose from the following conjecture of affairs since she had loved edward springrove she had linked his name with her brother owen's in her nightly supplications to the almighty she wished to keep her love for him a secret and above all a secret from a woman like miss aldercliffe yet her conscience and the honesty of her love would not for an instant allow her to think of omitting his dear name and so endanger the efficacy of all her previous prayers for his success by an unworthy shame now it would be wicked of her she thought and a grievous wrong to him under any worldly circumstances she might have thought the position justified a little finesse and have skipped him for once but prayer was too solemn a thing for such trifling i would rather not say them she murmured first it struck her then that this declining altogether was the same cowardice in another dress and was delivering her poor edward over to satan just as unceremoniously as before yes i will say my prayers and you shall hear me she added firmly she turned her face to the pillow and repeated in low soft tones the simple words she had used from childhood on such occasions oban's name was mentioned without faltering but in the other case maidenly shyness was too strong even for religion and that when supported by excellent intentions at the name of edward she stammered and her voice sank to the faintest whisper in spite of her thank you dearest said miss aldercliffe i have prayed too i verily believe you are a good girl i think then the expected question came bless owen and whom did you say there was no help for it now and out it came owen and edward said cytheria who are owen and edward owen is my brother madam faltered the maid ah i remember who is edward a silence your brother too continued miss aldercliffe no miss aldercliffe reflected a moment don't you want to tell me who edward is she said at last in a tone of meaning i don't mind telling only you would rather not i suppose yes miss aldercliffe shifted her ground were you ever in love she inquired suddenly cytheria was surprised to hear how quickly the voice had altered from tenderness to harshness vexation and disappointment yes i think i was once she murmured aha and were you ever kissed by a man a pause well were you said miss aldercliffe rather sharply don't press me to tell i can't indeed i won't madam miss aldercliffe removed her arms from cytheria's neck tis now with you as it is always with all girls she said in jealous and gloomy accents you are not after all the innocent i took you for no no 
she then changed her tone with fitful rapidity cytheria try to love me more than you love him do i love you more sincerely than any man can do cythie don't let any man stand between us oh i can't bear that she clasped cytheria's neck again i must love him now i have begun replied the other must yes must said the elder lady reproachfully yes women are all alike i thought i had at last found an artless woman who had not been sullied by a man's lips and who had not practised or been practised upon by the arts which ruin all the truth and sweetness and goodness in us find a girl if you can whose mouth and ears have not been made a regular highway of by some man or another leave the admittedly notorious spots the drawing-rooms of society and look in the villages leave the villages and search in the schools and you can hardly find a girl whose heart has not been had is not an old thing half worn out by some he or another if men only knew the staleness of the freshest of us that nine times out of ten the first love they think they are winning from a woman is but the hulk of an old wrecked affection fitted with new sails and reused oh cytheria can it be that you too are like the rest no 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 urged cytheria awed by the storm she had raised in the impetuous woman's mind he only kissed me once twice i mean he might have done it a thousand times if he had cared to there's no doubt about that whoever his lordship is you are as bad as i we are all alike and i an old fool have been sipping at your mouth as if it were honey because i fancied no wasting lover knew the spot but a minute ago and you seemed to me like a fresh spring meadow now you seem a dusty highway oh no no cytheria was not weak enough to shed tears except on extraordinary occasions but she was fain to begin sobbing now she wished miss aldercliffe would go to her own room and leave her and her treasured dreams alone this vehement imperious affection was in one sense soothing but yet it was not of the kind that cytheria's instincts desired though it was generous it seemed somewhat too rank and capricious for endurance well said the lady in continuation who is he her companion was desperately determined not to tell his name she too much feared a taunt when miss aldercliffe's fiery mood again ruled her tongue won't you tell me not tell me after all the affection i have shown i will perhaps another day did you wear a hat and white feather in budmouth for the week or two previous to your coming here yes then i have seen you and your lover at a distance he rode you round the bay with your brother yes and without your brother fie there there don't let that little heart beat itself to death throb throb it shakes the bed you silly thing i didn't mean that there was any harm in going alone with him i only saw you from the esplanade 
in common with the rest of the people i often run down to budmouth he was a very good figure now who was he i i won't tell madam i cannot indeed won't tell very well don't you are very foolish to treasure up his name and image as you do why he has had loves before you trust him for that whoever he is and you are but a temporary link in the long chain of others like you who only have your little day as they have had theirs tisn't true tisn't true tisn't true cried cytheria in an agony of torture he has never loved anybody else i know i am sure he hasn't miss aldercliffe was as jealous as any man could have been she continued he sees a beautiful face and thinks he will never forget it but in a few weeks the feeling passes off and he wonders how he could have cared for anybody so absurdly much no no he doesn't what does he do when he has thought that come tell me tell me you are as hot as fire and the throbbing of your heart makes me nervous i can't tell you if you get in that flustered state do do tell oh it makes me so miserable but tell come tell me ah the tables are turned now dear she continued in a tone which mingled pity with derision love's passions shall rock thee as the storm rocks the ravens on high bright reason will mock thee like the sun from a wintry sky what does he do next why this is what he does next ruminate on what he has heard of women's romantic impulses and how easily men torture them when they have given way to those feelings and have resigned everything for their hero it may be that though he loves you heartily now that is as heartily as a man can and you love him in return your love may be impracticable and hopeless and you may be separated for ever you as the weary weary years pass by will fade and fade bright eyes will fade and you will perhaps then die early true to him to your latest breath and believing him to be true to the latest breath also whilst he in some gay and busy spot far away from your last quiet nook will have married some dashing lady and not purely oblivious of you will long have ceased to regret you will chat about you as you were in long past years will say ah little cytheria used to tie her hair like that poor innocent trusting thing it was a pleasant useless idle dream that dream of mine for the maid with the bright eyes and simple silly heart but i was a foolish lad at that time then he will tell the tale of all your little wills and wants and particular ways and as he speaks turn to his wife with a placid smile it is not true he can't he can't be so cruel and you are cruel to me you are you are she was at last driven to desperation her natural common sense and shrewdness 
had seen all through the piece how imaginary her emotions were she felt herself to be weak and foolish in permitting them to rise but even then she could not control them be agonized she must she was only eighteen and the long day's labor her weariness her excitement had completely unnerved her and worn her out she was bent hither and thither by this tyrannical working upon her imagination as a young rush in the wind she wept bitterly and now think how much i like you resumed miss aldercliffe when cytheria grew calmer i shall never forget you for anybody else as men do never i will be exactly as a mother to you now will you promise to live with me always and always be taken care of and never deserted i cannot i will not be anybody's maid for another day on any consideration no 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 you shan't be a lady's maid you shall be my companion i will get another maid companion that was a new idea cytheria could not resist the evidently heartfelt desire of the strange-tempered woman for her presence but she could not trust to the moment's impulse i will stay i think but do not ask for a final answer to-night never mind now then put your hair round your mamma's neck and give me one good long kiss and i won't talk any more in that way about your lover after all some young men are not so fickle as others but even if he is the ficklest there is consolation the love of an inconstant man is ten times more ardent than that of a faithful man that is while it lasts cytheria did as she was told to escape the punishment of further talk flung the twining tresses of her long rich hair over miss aldercliffe's shoulders as directed and the two ceased conversing making themselves up for sleep miss aldercliffe seemed to give herself over to a luxurious sense of content and quiet as if the maiden at her side afforded her a protection against dangers which had menaced her for years she was soon sleeping calmly two two to five a m with cytheria it was otherwise unused to the place and circumstances she continued wakeful ill at ease and mentally distressed she withdrew herself from her companion's embrace turned to the other side and endeavoured to relieve her busy brain by looking at the window blind and noticing the light of the rising moon now in her last quarter creep round upon it it was the light of an old waning moon which had but a few days longer to live the sight led her to think again of what had happened under the rays of the same month's moon a little before its full the ecstatic evening scene with edward the kiss and the shortness of those happy moments maiden imagination bringing about the apothesis of a status quo which had had several unpleasantnesses in its earthly reality but sounds were in the ascendant that night her ears became aware of a strange and gloomy murmur 
she recognized it it was the gushing of the waterfall faint and low brought from its source to the unwonted distance of the house by a faint breeze which made it distinct and recognizable by reason of the utter absence of all disturbing sounds the groom's melancholy representation lent to the sound a more dismal effect than it would have had of its own nature she began to fancy what the waterfall must be like at that hour under the trees in the ghastly moonlight black at the head and over the surface of the deep cold hole into which it fell white and frothy at the fall black and white like a pall in its border sad everywhere she was in the mood for sounds of every kind now and strained her ears to catch the faintest in wayward amity to her quiet of mind another soon came the second was quite different from the first a kind of intermittent whistle it seemed primarily no a creak a metallic creak ever and anon like a plough or a rusty wheelbarrow or at least a wheel of some kind yes it was a wheel the water-wheel in the shrubbery by the old manor-house which the coachman had said would drive him mad she determined not to think any more of these gloomy things but now that she had once noticed the sound there was no sealing her ears to it she could not help timing its creaks and putting on a dread expectancy just before the end of each half-minute that brought them to imagine the inside of the engine-house whence these noises proceeded was now a necessity no window but crevices in the door through which probably the moonbeams streamed in the most attenuated and skeleton-like rays striking sharply upon portions of wet rusty cranks and chains a glistening wheel turning incessantly laboring in the dark like a captive starving in a dungeon and instead of a floor below gurgling water which on account of the darkness could only be heard water which labored up dark pipes almost to where she lay she shivered now she was determined to go to sleep there could be nothing else left to be heard or to imagine it was horrid that her imagination should be so restless yet just for an instant before going to sleep she would think this suppose another sound should come just suppose it should before the thought had well passed through her brain a third sound came the third was a very soft gurgle or rattle of a strange and abnormal kind yet a sound she had heard before at some past period of her life when she could not recollect to make it the more disturbing it seemed to be almost close to her either close outside the window close under the floor or close above the ceiling the accidental fact of its coming so immediately upon the heels of a supposition 
told so powerfully upon her excited nerves that she jumped up in the bed the same instant a little dog in some room near having probably heard the same noise set up a low whine the watchdog in the yard hearing the moan of his associate began to howl loudly and distinctly his melancholy notes were taken up directly afterwards by the dogs in the kennel a long way off in every variety of wail one logical thought alone was able to enter her flurried brain the little dog that began the whining must have heard the other two sounds even better than herself he had taken no notice of them but he had taken notice of the third the third then was an unusual sound it was not like water it was not like wind it was not the night jar it was not a clock nor a rat nor a person snoring she crept under the clothes and flung her arms tightly round miss aldercliffe as if for protection cytherea perceived that the lady's late peaceful warmth had given place to a sweat at the maiden's touch miss aldercliffe awoke with a low scream she remembered her position instantly oh such a terrible dream she cried in a hurried whisper holding to cytherea in her turn and your touch was the end of it it was dreadful time with its wings hourglass and scythe coming nearer and nearer to me grinning and marking then he seized me took a piece of me only but i can't tell you i can't bear to think of it how those dogs howl people say it means death the return of miss aldercliffe to consciousness was sufficient to dispel the wild fancies which the loneliness of the night had woven in cytherea's mind she dismissed the third noise as something which in all likelihood could easily be explained if trouble were taken to inquire into it large houses had all kinds of strange sounds floating about them she was ashamed to tell miss aldercliffe her terrors a silence of five minutes are you asleep said miss aldercliffe no said cytherea in a long drawn whisper how those dogs howl don't they yes a little dog in the house began it ah yes there was tossy he sleeps on the mat outside my father's bedroom door a nervous creature there was a silent interval of nearly half an hour a clock on the landing struck three are you asleep miss aldercliffe whispered cytherea no said miss aldercliffe how wretched it is not to be able to sleep isn't it yes replied cytherea like a docile child another hour passed and the clock struck four miss aldercliffe was still awake cytherea she said very softly cytherea made no answer she was sleeping soundly the first glimmer of dawn was now visible miss aldercliffe arose put on her dressing-gown and went softly downstairs to her own room i have not told her who i am after all 
or found out the particulars of ambrose's history she murmured but her being in love alters everything three half past seven to ten o'clock a m cytheria awoke quiet in mind and refreshed a conclusion to remain at knapwater was already in possession of her finding miss aldercliffe gone she dressed herself and sat down at the window to write an answer to edward's letter and an account of her arrival at knapwater to owen the dismal and heart-breaking pictures that miss aldercliffe had placed before her the preceding evening the later terrors of the night were now but as shadows of shadows and she smiled in derision at her own excitability but writing edward's letter was the great consular the effect of each word upon him being in act in her own face as she wrote it she felt how much she would like to share his trouble how well she could endure poverty with him and wondered what his trouble was but all would be explained at last she knew at the appointed time she went to miss aldercliffe's room intending with the contradictoriness common in people to perform with pleasure as a work of supererogation what as a duty was simply intolerable miss aldercliffe was already out of bed the bright penetrating light of morning made a vast difference in the elder lady's behaviour to her dependent the day which had restored cytheria's judgment had effected the same for miss aldercliffe though practical reasons forbade her regretting that she had secured such a companionable creature to read talk or play to her whenever her whim required she was inwardly vexed at the extent to which she had indulged in the womanly luxury of making confidences and giving way to emotions few would have supposed that the calm lady sitting aristocratically at the toilette table seeming scarcely conscious of cytheria's presence in the room even when greeting her was the passionate creature who had asked for kisses a few hours before it is both painful and satisfactory to think how often these antitheses are to be observed in the individual most open to our observation ourselves we pass the evening with faces lit up by some flaring illumination or other we get up the next morning the fiery jets have all gone out and nothing confronts us but a few crinkled pipes and sooty wirework hardly even recalling the outline of the blazing picture that arrested our eyes before bedtime emotions would be half starved if there were no candlelight probably nine-tenths of the gushing letters of indiscreet confession are written after nine or ten o'clock in the evening and sent off before day returns to leer invidiously upon them few that remain open to catch our glance as we rise in the morning survive the frigid criticism of dressing time the subjects uppermost in the minds of the two women who had thus cooled from their fires were not the visionary ones of the later hours 
by the hard facts of their earlier conversation after a remark that cytheria need not assist her in dressing unless she wished to miss aldercliffe said abruptly i can tell that young man's name she looked keenly at cytheria it is edward springrove my tenant's son the inundation of colour upon the younger lady at hearing a name which to her was a world handled as if it were only an atom told miss aldercliffe that she had divined the truth at last ah it is he is it she continued well i wanted to know for practical reasons his example shows that i was not so far wrong in my estimate of men after all though i only generalized and had not thought of him this was perfectly true what do you mean said cytheria visibly alarmed mean why that all the world knows him to be engaged to be married and that the wedding is soon to take place she made the remark bluntly and superciliously as if to obtain absolution at the hands of her family pride for the weak confidences of the night but even the frigidity of miss aldercliffe's morning mood was overcome by the look of sick and blank despair which the carelessly uttered words had produced upon cytheria's face she sank back into a chair and buried her face in her hands don't be so foolish said miss aldercliffe come make the best of it i cannot upset the fact i have told you of unfortunately but i believe the match can be broken off oh no no nonsense i liked him much as a youth and i like him now i'll help you to captivate and chain him down i have got over my absurd feeling of last night in not wanting you ever to go away from me of course i could not expect such a thing as that there now i have said i'll help you and that's enough he's tired of his first choice now that he's been away from home for a while the love that no outer attack can frighten away quails before its idol's own homely ways it is always so come finish what you are doing if you are going to and don't be a little goose about such a trumpery affair as that who is he engaged to cytheria inquired by a movement of her lips but no sound of her voice but miss aldercliffe did not answer it mattered not cytheria thought another woman that was enough for her curiosity was stunned she applied herself to the work of dressing scarcely knowing how miss aldercliffe went on you were too easily won i'd have made him or anybody else speak out before he should have kissed my face for his pleasure but you are one of those precipitantly fond things who are yearning to throw away their hearts upon the first worthless fellow who says good morning in the first place you shouldn't have loved him so quickly in the next if you must have loved him offhand you should have concealed it it tickled his vanity by jove that girl's in love with me already he thought to hasten away at the end of the toilette to tell mrs morris who stood waiting in the little room prepared for her 
with tea poured out bread and butter cut into diaphanous slices and eggs arranged that she wanted no breakfast then to shut herself alone in her bedroom was her only thought she was followed thither by the well-intentioned matron with a cup of tea and one piece of bread and butter on a tray cheerfully insisting that she should eat it to those who grieve innocent cheerfulness seems heartless levity no thank you mrs morris she said keeping the door closed despite the incivility of the action cytheria could not bear to let a pleasant person see her face then immediate revocation even if revocation would be more effective by postponement is the impulse of young wounded natures cytheria went to her blotting-book took out the long letter so carefully written so full of gushing remarks and tender hints and sealed up so neatly with a little seal bearing good faith as its motto tore the missive into fifty pieces and threw them into the grate it was then the bitterest of anguishes to look upon some of the words she had so lovingly written and set them existing only in mutilated forms without meaning to feel that his eye would never read them nobody ever know how ardently she had penned them pity for one's self for being wasted is mostly present in these moods of abnegation the meaning of all his allusions his abruptness in telling her of his love his constraint at first then his desperate manner of speaking was clear they must have been the last flickerings of a conscience not quite dead to all sense of perfidiousness and fickleness now he had gone to london she would be dismissed from his memory in the same way as miss aldercliffe had said and here she was in edward's own parish reminded continually of him by what she saw and heard the landscape yesterday so much and so bright to her was now but as the banquet hall deserted all gone by herself miss aldercliffe had wormed her secret out of her and would now be continually mocking her for her trusting simplicity in believing him it was altogether unbearable she would not stay there she went downstairs and found miss aldercliffe had gone into the breakfast-room but that captain aldercliffe who rose later with increasing infirmities had not yet made his appearance cytheria entered miss aldercliffe was looking out of the window watching a trail of white smoke along the distant landscape signifying a passing train at cytheria's entry she turned and looked inquiry i must tell you now began cytheria in a tremulous voice well what miss aldercliffe said i am not going to stay with you i must go away a very long way i'm very sorry but indeed i can't remain pooh what shall we hear next miss aldercliffe surveyed cytheria's face with leisurely criticism you are breaking your heart again about that worthless young springgrove i knew how it would be it is as howman says of juliet 
what little reason you may have possessed originally has all been whirled away by this love i shan't take this notice mind do let me go miss aldclyffe took her new pet's hand and said with severity as to hindering you if you are determined to go of course that's absurd but you are not now in a state of mind fit for deciding upon any such proceeding and i shall not listen to what you have to say now Sithy, come with me we'll let this volcano burst and spend itself and after that we'll see what had better be done she took cytheria into her workroom opened a drawer and drew forth a roll of linen this is some embroidery i began one day and now i should like it finished she then preceded the maiden upstairs to cytheria's own room there she said now sit down here go on with this work and remember one thing that you are not to leave the room on any pretext whatever for two hours unless i send for you i insist kindly dear whilst you stitch you are to stitch recollect and not go mooning out of the window think over the whole matter and get cool don't let the foolish love affair prevent your thinking as a woman of the world if at the end of that time you still say you must leave me you may i will have no more to say in the matter come sit down and promise to sit here the time i name to hearts in a despairing mood compulsion seems a relief and docility was at all times natural to cytheria she promised and sat down miss aldclyffe shut the door upon her and retreated she sold stopped to think shed a tear or two recollected the articles of the treaty and sold again and at length fell into a reverie which took no account whatever of the lapse of time four ten to twelve o'clock a m a quarter of an hour might have passed when her thoughts became attracted from the past to the present by unwanted movements downstairs she opened the door and listened there were hurryings along passages opening and shutting of doors trampling in the stable yard she went across into another bedroom from which a view of the stable yard could be obtained and arrived there just in time to see the figure of the man who had driven her from the station vanishing down the coach road on a black horse galloping at the top of the animal's speed another man went off in the direction of the village whatever had occurred it did not seem to be her duty to inquire or meddle with it stranger and dependent as she was unless she were requested to especially after miss aldclyffe's strict charge to her she sat down again determined to let no idle curiosity influence her movements a window commanded the front of the house and the next thing she saw was a clergyman walk up and enter the door all was silent again till a long time after the first man had left he returned again on the same horse now matted with sweat and trotting behind a carriage 
in which sat an elderly gentleman driven by a lad in livery these came to the house entered and all was again the same as before the whole household master mistress and servants appeared to have forgotten the very existence of such a being as cytheria she almost wished she had not vowed to have no idle curiosity half an hour later the carriage drove off with the elderly gentleman and two or three messengers left the house speeding in various directions rustics in smock frocks began to hang about the road opposite the house or lean against trees looking idly at the windows and chimneys a tap came to cytheria's door she opened it to a young maid-servant miss aldercliffe wishes to see you ma'am cytheria hastened down miss aldercliffe was standing on the hearth-rock her elbow on the mantel her hand to her temples her eyes on the ground perfectly calm but very pale cytheria she said in a whisper come here cytheria went close something very serious has taken place she said again and then paused with a tremulous movement of her mouth yes said cytheria my father he was found dead in his bed this morning dead echoed the younger woman it seemed impossible that the announcement could be true that knowledge of so great a fact could be contained in a statement so small yes dead murmured miss aldercliffe solemnly he died alone though within a few feet of me the room we slept in is exactly over his own cytheria said hurriedly do they know at what hour the doctor says it must have been between two and three o'clock this morning then i heard him heard him heard him die you heard him die what did you hear a sound i heard once before in my life at the deathbed of my mother i could not identify it though i recognized it then the dog howled you remarked it i did not think it worth while to tell you what i had heard a little earlier she looked agonized it would have been useless said miss aldercliffe all was over by that time she addressed herself as much as cytheria when she continued is it a providence who sent you here at this juncture that i might not be left entirely alone till this instant miss aldercliffe had forgotten the reason of cytheria's seclusion in her own room so had cytheria herself the fact now recurred to both in one moment do you still wish to go said miss aldercliffe anxiously i don't want to go now cytheria had remarked simultaneously with the other's question she was pondering on the strange likeness which miss aldercliffe's bereavement bore to her own it had the appearance of being still another call to her not to forsake this woman so linked to her life for the sake of any trivial vexation miss aldercliffe held her almost as a lover would have held her and said musingly we get more and more into one groove i now am left fatherless and motherless as you were other ties lay behind in her thoughts but she did not mention them 
you loved your father cytheria and wept for him yes i did poor papa i was always at variance with mine and can't weep for him now but you must stay here always and make a better woman of me the compact was thus sealed and cytheria in spite of the failure of her advertisements was installed as a veritable companion and once more in the history of human endeavour a position which it was impossible to reach by any direct attempt was come to by the seekers swerving from the path and regarding the original object as one of secondary importance End of chapter six recording by Shi Ping Ling.